Beautiful. You are listening to History Man, where we walk in the footsteps of heroes and proclaim freedom reigns. We're continuing our episodes with Trey Dunaway and talking about smallpox in the 18th century. And we left off our last episode with uh, the treatments of smallpox, physicians that were uh, responsible for that, and virulation and engrafting, the differences in those two treatments and how they, how they helped in the um, eradication of smallpox in the colonies. Well, you know, Eric, it, it's again, it's, it's the same thing with our current situation. Right okay. now, we're in FDA trials, right? Right. Which means that you've developed what you think is going to be a vaccine that'll work, but now we have to test it. We tested it on a small group. Now they're going to go test it on a larger population. So statistically, it will be significant to see how effective the vaccine is, if you need to repeat it, if it needs to be one, if you need to be two. It'll answer these questions, and it's all through a scientific process. And this is why it just takes time. You cannot rush this, because if you do, you might be introducing something that would do more harm than good. So when you talk about the uh, the doctor that treated his son, there were there was a, a certain amount of time where he had to see if that was going to actually work. Right. And then he had to get yeah. the information out to everybody. And then he had to promote it. So saying, you know, it work. Listen, it's so good. I used it on my own child. Right. So does that sell? Yes, that sells. And then also, but you still needed a bigger group. Now, remember, when we go back to the Royal Society, so now we're back into 1720s. Okay. You go back to the Royal Society, they'd received the letters from Turkey and they got information from Cotton Mather. And so you have all of this stuff that's going on. But they're scientists and they're going to want to have a scientific proof and evidence and they want to have a bigger population. So you need somebody to volunteer for a procedure that, well, it might kill them. So why not go to prisons? Wow. So in August, of ni- in August 9th of 1721, they introduced the Newgate experience. You went to Newgate Prison, and this is where you did your bigger population studies of the effects of engrafting of variolation. Now... At Newgate, what were they in prison for? Were they in prison for not paying their taxes or debts or something? Or were they in prison for actual murder? Well, I tell you what, it didn't take much for an execution in the 18th century. You know, (laughs) you steal a loaf of bread and you're... You're going you're gonna to pay plenty for stealing that loaf of bread. So I don't know what they were in prison for, but uh, that was where they went. Because, you know, there was no informed consent in the 18th century. You didn't have a, you didn't have a consent form that says, you know, this might lead to your death. They're going to say, hey, do you want to hang today or would you like to do this? And uh, if you survive, then maybe we'll let you out early. I mean, that, that, was, that would be an easy sell, wouldn't it? So they did these studies, and that's really when it started to catch on. So that fed back information across the pond, came back to the United States, came back to the colonies and says, yes, the Newgate prison experiments have shown this appears to be effective. And then that's when it caught on and Washington got on on the bandwagon. And, you know, everything was was going along swimmingly. So it, it was there was advancements, but it wasn't quite where we wanted it because you, according to this this methodology, you still had to get smallpox. Now you had it in a less virulent form, but you could still die from it. So then it becomes the question of is is it worth the risk? And today in our society, uh, you've got to set that bar pretty high. It has to really be effective, which is why we do the slow testing now. It's not slow; it just it just takes time. There's no way around it. 
But it's just like saying to somebody, well, if you go down an airplane, uh, there's only a one in 30 chance it's going to crash. <laughs> Would you line up for an aircraft flight? No, you'd say, oh, I'll wait till the, the statistics are a little better. So they wanted something better than saying, well, instead of a 14, 15, 20% chance of death, we're only going to give you like a 3% chance of death. That still was like, do I really want to take this ride or not? So the, the last part of the greatest battle of the 18th century, leaving to the eradication of smallpox, occurs in Great Britain. Edward Jenner was a country physician. And uh, now, now I, I tell you, um, there is a certain amount of mythology that goes around here. But because it's such a wonderful story, I will embrace all the mythology because it came out the same way. And it came out of the most revolutionary breakthrough in modern medicine. I'm using the word modern for the first time. We're not talking about ancient Greeks, talking about the ill humors in the body. No, we're talking about science that actually produced something even before the recognition of what a virus or a bacteria was. Okay. But this is Edward Jenner's story. He noticed that milkmaids had the milkmaid complexion. You've heard of this. You've heard this in advertising. Oh, she has the complexion of a milkmaid. Well, what does that mean? Do you have white spots from the milk? No, it just meant you did not have smallpox scars. So your complexion was very nice. Okay. You were attractive. You didn't have scars on your face and all over your body. So he was wondering why. And again, trying not to, not to separate myth from reality, the story is the same. He found out that milkmaids could get cowpox. Now, cowpox was a disease cows would get. And when the milkmaids would milk the cows, if they had a hangnail or an open area of skin on their hands that they were milking the milk from the cows, they would get a small infection of cowpox, which would stay localized on their finger or their skin or wherever they contacted the cowpox. Again, they didn't know it was a separate virus. It's a related virus. It's very similar to smallpox. But according to them, they, they had no idea if it was different, the same, because they didn't even know what a virus was. Okay. So through observation, he came up with a hypothesis. And the hypothesis was simple. If you get cowpox, you won't get smallpox. Okay. So how do you prove that? Well, what he did is he took a, a young woman, Sarah Nelms, and she was an infected milkmaid. And he took some pus from wherever Sarah's infection was, I would imagine her hand or someplace that was in contact with the cow, and he inoculated a healthy eight-year-old boy. We don't know who that is, that's lost to history. And then he tried to variolate the boy. In other words, use the standard practice where you took a, a real smallpox purulence and you put it on the boy and it would not take. In other words, the boy didn't have a reaction to the smallpox. Let's so how go. did he treat the boy to begin with? He, very, he, he did an inoculation from Sarah Nelms, the infected milkmaid. So Sarah had, Sarah had cowpox on her hands. Right. And so he took pus from that cowpox, took that, put it into the young boy. Okay. Then he waited. Okay. And then after the little infection where he broke the skin to put the infected cowpox in, he waited and then he took a variolation. In other words, he took active smallpox virus okay. in pus and he put it into the young boy and he didn't react. So he said, hmm, well, isn't that a curiosity? 
So then what he did... So he lived, he used live human... Of course. <laughs> with, with, with human out, trials. Without, and, and, you know, I think they had as many lawyers in the 18th century. They just didn't know they could sue people for this. Because <laughs> now, you know, you can't do anything without informed consent. But anyway, what he did is then he went directly to a cow with infected cowpox. He skipped the milkmaid. He went right to the cow. And he took that infected material and he inoculated William Summers, who was five years old, with the infected cowpox material. They had a reaction. They had a local reaction to the... William had a local reaction to that cowpox. So from that local reaction, he took pus and he put that pus on another young man, William Peel who was eight years old. He had a reaction to the cowpox, as you would expect. And then he took that eight-year-old's infected pus and he put that into several small children and adults. And that is the beginning of the end of smallpox. What he found was that by using the cowpox, it protected people from smallpox. And as with any change in human society, it met with great ridicule. Because there are cartoons showing Jenner and cows and making fun of him for this remarkable discovery. And through that remarkable discovery came the realization that this was the real deal. And that is the beginning of the smallpox vaccination. Now there's a special significance to that word too. Do you speak Spanish? Mm, poquito, very little. What is a vaca? It's a cow. V-A-C-C-A is Spanish or Latin, mm -hmm. I presume. I don't speak Latin. Like vaquero would be cowboy. Yes. Right. So a vaca. So vac vaca nation, vaccination. That is where the word vaccination comes from. You don't realize that when you go in for right. your you know, flu shot, which is, a, which is an influenza vaccine. And when the vaccine comes out for COVID, people aren't going to be saying, oh, was, was there a cow involved in this? No, they're not going to do that. That's but that's right. where the whole word vaccination comes from. So further observations on the variole vaccine or cowpox was published in 1799 by Dr. Jenner, and in 1800, he wrote another paper entitled, A Continuation of Facts and the Observations Relative to the Variole, Vaccine, or Cowpox. And that is the beginning of a new dawn for the first time in human history. You could take a true scourge of human existence responsible for the deaths of billions of people since the time of the ancient Egyptians and defeat the virus. But it's almost, it's 100 years, 200 years to today, correct? Uh, we're talking about 1800, well, yeah, 1800 when he's, when he's yeah, making that. Yeah. And you said before, the 1900s, 1900 to 2000, you had 200 million people die of smallpox still? Yes, because it wasn't worldwide. So you had the World Health Organization spearhead the leadership to develop this vaccine 
And eventually, when you discovered what vaccines were, and when you discovered what viruses were, you could, you could attenuate the virus, you could kill the virus. So I would presume for, for smallpox vaccination, which isn't done anymore because the disease is eradicated, right? You would, you would have been eventually scientifically, safely, through testing, the same kind of thing we're going through COVID now, you would have that all available today. But that, that is the, that's the beginning of the end. Edward Jenner wrote, it now becomes too manifest to admit of controversy that the annihilation of the smallpox, the most dreadful scourge of the human species, must be the final result of this practice. Dr. Edward Jenner had it figured out. Um, Thomas Jefferson was a forward-thinking guy, and he writes to Dr. Jenner, and I'll close this by reading you Jefferson's letter. To Edward Jenner, Monticello, May 14, 1806. Sir, I have received a copy of the evidence at large respecting the discovery of the vaccination inoculation which you have been pleased to send to me and for which I return you my thanks. Having been among the early converts in this part of the globe to its efficiency, I took an early part in recommending it to my countrymen. I avail myself of this occasion of rendering you a portion of the tribute of gratitude due to you from this whole human family. Medicine had, has never before produced any single improvement of such utility. Harvey's discovery of the circulation of the blood was a beautiful addition to our knowledge of the animal economy, but on a review of the practice of medicine before and since that epoch, I do not see any great amelioration which has been derived from that discovery. You have erased from the calendar of human afflictions one of its greatest. Yours is the comfortable reflection that mankind can never forget that you have lived. Future nations will know by history only that the loathsome smallpox has existed and by you has been extirpated. Accept my fervent wishes for your health and happiness and assurances of the greatest respect and consideration. Signed, Thomas Jefferson. Thank you, Trey. Appreciate that. Thank you, Eric. It's been delightful to come and talk with you today and to develop some parallels so people can see that epidemics are no big deal in the history of um, humanity, and we will continue to have them. Patience, time, testing, scientific approach, figuring out, make sure we don't do harm, will defeat this disease today, the COVID, in the same way Jenner defeated smallpox in his time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.